Alright, alright, alright. Welcome to episode 40 of At The Face. I cannot believe I've done 40 of these. If you've listened to all 40, thank you. Um, but get in touch. A, I'd love to know that you've done that and I could possibly suggest some other hobbies that you can get yourself into. Episode 40, we're talking with the England Boxer Cross guys, Albie Whitehead and Tom Roach, about the Euros that are well, start next week. Before we get into that though, special thanks to the show's Patreon supporters. If you want to show your support for the show, head over to Patreon where you can give as little or as much as you like towards the uh, the running cost of the show on patreon you get extended episodes and bonus episodes so this episode on patreon is an hour and 40 minutes long episode 40 england box across tom roach albie whitehead here we go let's get going all right do you want to introduce yourselves go ahead albie you start uh, okay i'm what well, it's just I'm Albie, I guess. <laughs> I play lacrosse for Spencer and for England Box. Um, started playing lacrosse when I was 18, so I'm going into my 11th year playing lacrosse. They've started at uni, I take it, right? Yes, they started at Bournemouth Uni. Um, just fancy trying a new sport, picked it up, and 11 years later, I'm still one of the only blondes playing <laughs> from my year, but still playing. Does that mean you've played for England for uh, more than 50% of your career now, Albie? <laughs> um, it's, uh, probably, yeah. Getting close to it. <laughs> I think next year would push me over into 50%, for sure. There you go. That's Which isn't statistic, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hadn't thought of it like that, and it's a nice way to put it. All you need is to chat with Rochi, and he'll put that positive spin on it for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a marketer. That's what that's what I do. I mean, he's dictated a lot of my career, so you know it makes, it makes sense. <laughs> Describes it. All right, Rochi, go for it. Yeah. So uh, my name's Rochi. I'm uh, currently the England Box Across team captain. I play at Spencer with Albie as well, um, where we've just had a, a good season, um, which hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about. Um, I've been playing since I was ten, so. That is 20 plus one years um, of lacrosse now. So, yeah, I'm, and I'm excited to be on the podcast. I'm looking forward Good to it. So you've been playing lacrosse double the amount of time that Albie has. Yeah, I should be a bit better than him, really, <laughs> shouldn't I? It's, it's embarrassing, really. <laughs> all right, cool, cool, cool. Um, all right, let's jump into it then. So, uh, where did you first... Oh, yeah, I divided these up, didn't I? Okay, you know who's answering yeah. what. So, where did you first get into lacrosse? So, so this one's for me. Um, I started at Mellow Lacrosse Club, which I think has come up on a previous episode with, with Claire Fairham, who's actually one of one of my really good friends from from home. We grew up at kind of the same time at Mellor. Um It's a, a real small village village club. It's uh, actually bizarre. Basically, most of the the boys and more recently girls in the village play lacrosse at, at some point. Um, they're, they're absolutely smashing it at the moment. Uh, I play there bec- because my dad played there and he grew up across the road from the, uh, from the lacrosse club there and, and was actually a coach for most of my, my time at Mellor, which was pretty oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. I jo- kind of started playing at Mellor, then moved on to Stockport Metros and have kind of never looked back since awesome okay you went off to played at uni Loughborough right yeah I played at Loughborough University um, which was the best thing that could have possibly happened to me I, I applied I was listening actually to, to Tom Wenham's episode and, and Mike Armstrong's episode earlier today and they both went to Sheffield University and talked about that I applied for Sheffield University four times with my five UCAS choices oh. and got rejected all four times as Mike Armstrong loved, loved to remind <laughs> me at the time. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know if I would say I believe everything happens for a reason, but I think, you know, if you make the best of the, of the situation that you're in, and uh, Loughborough was a fantastic kind of performance environment. Um, we've, we've since had people, Paul Wainwright currently in the England team who started at university. Ed Simkinburn did it, did it first in the England team, being a university player. Um, or probably maybe not first ever, but first from Loughborough. Um, and, and we've had a few others, Tom O'Rosser in the GB stuff, loads loads of them. So it was a fantastic place to, to be and a, a big part of my uh, my lacrosse before arriving down at Spencer. Amazing. Albie, what about you, Bob? When did you get into it? You said started at university. 
Yeah, so I started at Bournemouth University. Um, it was a bit of a different experience to playing at Loughborough, I'm sure, um, mostly because it was the first time lacrosse had been kind of played at the university. So we had a chap called Ben Piper who um, was in a Wales junior and I think he played some senior, um, set up the club at Bournemouth Uni. I was going to try to play football because that's what I grew up playing. Yep. Um, went to trials and didn't didn't really get seen. So I, I just kind of thought I can't be asked with this. But I always knew I wanted to play a sport at the university. And just so happened that I'd signed up to lacrosse, um, mostly to get the guy to stop talking at Freshers Fair. <laughs> went along to a safe session and absolutely loved it. It was a bit of a difficult year because we only really had 11 players um, for the whole season. And we were playing similar, so we weren't even playing... Uh, on oh, Wednesdays, wow. we were playing Saturdays, which was a bit of a shame, but also pretty good because it meant that we had to get better than we were. Otherwise, now, it was really, really was miserable. That- it did mean that we were having to travel to Swansea to get beat 20-0. And our, I think our fir- <laughs> one of our first away games was um, Norwich in uh, the Flags, where we lost like <laughs> 21 to, to nil or something. I can't remember what it was exactly, but it was pretty horrible. Um I didn't know Norwich had a lacrosse team. Yeah, well, it was. I think it might have been uh, UEA, U- which UEA, is that's based it. there. I, can't, I honestly can't remember. It was back when I didn't really know what lacrosse was, and I was having to travel to to lose quite a lot. I remember back in my attack through days, like, that was. loads and loads of cabbage fields to get to UEA, being very <laughs> underwhelmed on my journey. I got there, and obviously the uni's fine. But I remember travelling there, thinking, "Good God, where is this place?" Yeah, it's cabbage after cabbage. So yeah, so that was that was my university. That's where I started, and then. Um, I've had a very um, colourful club experience over the last eleven years. Tell us about. Is one way to say it. Well, it's 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 all been fine, but I've just hopped around quite a lot. Um, I I played when I was at university. Played for Bournemouth, obviously, in Semla. But I also played for Bath in Semla whilst I was at uni. Um, And then when I came back to London, I I went to Buckersteel, which is my local team um, back where I grew up. That's about a five minute drive, which is, which is crazy to me. Um, there's a lacrosse club that actually owns its clubhouse. Uh, yeah. So close. Yeah. Which is great. Um, then moved around to, to went to Hillcroft, did a year at Raptors. And then I finally settled on Spencer, but in amongst there, I've played some games for, for various teams. I played for Maidstone in a, in a playoff for the <laughs> Prem, that one, one game. I think I played for well in a couple of times, you know, so I've, I've been around the, the block a, a few times for some clubs. There's Northerners currently like just absolutely cringing. They're like, he did what? He did what? How many teams? Yeah. <laughs> I've settled now. I just, you know, I was trying it out. I was new to sports. So I thought, why not just get some different experiences? You've got to find styles. something that fits, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Cool, cool, cool. Um, okay. Rochi, who is your favorite person in the game? Yeah, I really, I really like this question. I, I like it in the other podcasts, and it, it was nice to just have a, a think about myself as well, um, and, and some of the people you know who, who've really helped along the way. I think back in the day, it definitely would have uh, would have been my dad, who, like I said, was was my coach. He was my coach at, at Mellor Juniors and on the first team, and um, he actually coached Cheshire as well when I was no just way. breaking through onto that team. So that was, yeah, that that was awesome. Um, there's loads of other people, as as everyone says, that uh, that could have kind of won this title. Uh, Bill Oxley, who's a a big um, Mellor man, who who makes the club keep going. He, he's um, he's getting on a bit now, and he still gives a lot of his time to to make Mellor a great place to be. Uh, Rob Arnott, who I do the Richmond lacrosse stuff with, which I know we're going to talk about again in uh, in the future. So I won't harp on about that too much yet. Um, Pete Compton at Spencer is amazing for for the game. We would be in big trouble down in Semler, I think, if Pete didn't exist. Um, But because this is a a box podcast, I kind of had to settle on Rob Gooch, uh, the man, the the myth, the legend, the Semler president. He's recently taken over as the the box team manager. um, Has he? And he has, yeah. And he doesn't necessarily shout about it too much either. Yeah, so he, he's organising everything for us. He came out to, to Dresden on our warm-up tour a few weeks ago um, and, and immediately became like a firm favourite of all the boys. He, he puts together 
information packs for us before we do anything and uh to, to give you an idea of the level of detail that he includes in those we had a, a whole a4 page of information about sausages to try in germany um so so yeah i it had to it had to be gucci the, the stuff he's done for samler is amazing um he's really helped me personally with the the south uh, north box lacrosse stuff as well he, he made that very easy he's also helped with with richmond too and um just in terms of letting us be players and not worry about there's a hundred different flights to choose yeah. from and you know he just he just gives us everything that we we could need really from an admin perspective and um and therefore, he he had to he had to win out in that question. I think <laughs> that's amazing. I didn't even know that uh, he was in that position. Who knew Gucci was a connoisseur of the sausage as well? <laughs> big big time. The uh, I think he would be pleased to to learn that we've got a team kind of social WhatsApp group for the uh, for the for the tournament, and I think it's called Gucci Sausage Army or something <laughs> sausage along men. those lines. Gucci, Gucci sausage, sausage men. Gucci sausage men. Oh man, that's awesome. He's a great fit for it. Um, like like yeah. you said, he does so much for Semler. Um, and every time I bump into him, I have the best conversation with him. I literally walk away from a conversation with Rob and I think he's such a nice guy. Um, like the stuff that he's doing for the game, like you said. Um, that's a great answer. Um, all right, cool. Moving on. Albie, your biggest grudge in the game, my man. I mean, it's, <clears throat> it's a difficult question, this one, um, because. I mean, grudge to me is obviously grudge match. What you who you like to play against and and why? Obviously, playing at many many clubs in similar, I don't have a particular grudge with anyone. Um, there's probably a lot of clubs who have a grudge with me as a result of that. But it's right now, owes, it's, still owes the subs. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. Um, but I, I think right now, obviously, playing for Spencer, the big, biggest grudge is obviously going to be Hampstead. Um, it's a competitive game. It's the games we love playing. Um, it's it's always very very physical very fast you know high level which is which is always good to play in especially when i'm new, relatively new to the sport um to get to play in these games is, is a real privilege um we managed to beat them last year with the twos Rochi was on the team with me so it was it was nice to uh, the season before last rather um so that's a bit of a grudge i, I think for england our biggest grudge is probably israel um oh, really they seem to be our kind of level competitor at the, these tournaments um We've managed to get one over them in the world's 2019, yep. which got us into managed to get us to fourth place, which was uh, moving up in the rankings. I think it's the highest ever finish for England. I'm not sure, but those games were the closest that we had there. Um, I think we lost in overtime in the first game, and then one by two in the with a last second goal. So it was incredibly close, and they're just so much fun to play. Um, but because the way lacrosse is. And that, that I've travelled around a lot to play for loads of different teams. Every game I play in, I seem to have a, a very good friend on the other team, even internationally. Yep. Um, that makes it just just that bit more fun. Um, com- competition and competitive games aren't aren't hard to come by. Um, you can make anything a, a competition. But uh, like I said, I'm very fortunate to play at some for some great clubs um, in some high level games. But there's nothing better than uh, lining up against your friend, running past them or giving them a, a good slash. Rochi loves a good slash to the back, for example, when we yeah, run past them. I, I don't him. do much running past people, <laughs> but the slashing bit sounds all right. So, you know, so, so grudge to me is, is every game there is a potential grudge, which is which is good fun. Okay, cool. Rochi, give us your take on something you've heard in a previous episode that you'd like to offer your opinion on. Yeah, so I'm... Very pleased that I, I pulled this question. Um, I, I really, I'm a big fan of, of the podcast. I think it's awesome what you're doing. I, I really think we need more of this kind of thing and, and creating exposure for for our our game. So um, I, there's a few things that I've listened to and I've had opinions on, but obviously all of that kind of leaves your your head when suddenly you get your chance to uh, to say it. Um, yeah, like I said before, I, I rewatched or re-listened to, sorry, Mikey's episode um, earlier today, and I thought it was fantastic. I thought he made some really good points. Yep. Um, there's a, a phrase that he used that I just hold massively close to me with, with my belief for, for the game, which is, you know, keep doing the same thing 
over and over and you'll keep getting the same results um so a a philosophy that i've had with my involvement like volunteering and organizing stuff is that we need to try something different and and be creative and take advantage of some of the the people with really you know professional level expertise that we have in the game like rob gooch for example who's you know super successful in what he does as, as an administrator for a huge organization you know we, we've got to pick these people's brains and, and do some stuff differently so i loved what what mike said about the sixes at the end of your career um having a a way to play five-a-side football equivalent for lacrosse would be mega um and actually i don't you know it probably won't work for everywhere where some of the areas that are smaller you know like yourself out in maidstone where the player base i think as you said is going to be asking the same people to play more but in um in the likes of central london right now we've got quite a lot of players and they do turn out for for different bits and pieces so you know a midweek uh sixes that that was bought into by the players i think would be a fantastic thing um i also think we're ready to start playing friday night yeah. games um i'll be mentioned spencer and hampstead's rivalry some of these games uh, are like il- elite games between spencer and hampstead at, at the moment I know, people um, fly over from the states to play in them mate you don't get much more elite than that well yeah pa- apparently apparently so <laughs> that's what elite means <laughs> um, but you know look they they get serious players and, and they're pulling people down from durham and knots and uni um and spencer is a serious outfit at the moment so that the standard of lacrosse that gets played there is good um and, and good enough that i think people would watch it i think it would be entertaining to watch it and having it on a friday night either streamed or at a central london venue that um with, you know with cheap pints on and maybe some food hot dog stand or whatever like I think people would turn up and I, I think it would be a good spectacle. So I, I'd like to see kind of a showcase fixture introduced to certainly to Semler. You could definitely do it in, in Nemla with the teams that they have. Um, I think in this day and so, age, yeah. you've got to do both. You've got to have the option for people to turn up and engage with the game on a face-to-face value and you have to stream it. There's no, I don't think you can do one or the other. If you're going to do something like that on that scale, then it has to be all or nothing. Um, a load of people have come on and mentioned it before. I, I don't know why it doesn't... It, again, obviously people are volunteering uh, in the positions they do. In London, the, I can't think of a, a reason why it wouldn't work or why people wouldn't do it. Um, and using the two teams that you've just um, used, Spencer and Hampstead, for example, when I've seen both teams play, um, obviously this is just my opinion, but... you they're two completely polar opposite teams and that's what makes it enjoyable. Like you can see that Spencer are incredibly well drilled with each other. It's a team unit. It's a club. And I'm not saying this in a, a negative way at all for Hampstead, but they, they rely on individual talent a lot more. They pull names, you know, they pull people together and there's like individual creative flair. You've literally got two polar opposite teams that are both performing at an insane level that you said would make an absolute spectacle for people to be watching. Yeah, and it won't carry on that way for, for long. London, I, I personally am a big believer in the, the what I think is a, a bit of a boom happening in London at the moment. I think there's a, a potential for the sport to take advantage of, of that. Um, but the nature of London is that people come and go. Um, they don't stay forever. Hampstead have massively benefited in the time that I've been here from Will Pickett being a a regular player and and leader in their team Um, Jed Raymond's just left back to the States but he's another one who's really pulled those guys together Um, and and Spencer as well, Well, people will leave in in the next few years, that's just the way it is and hopefully other teams will get up to those those levels but um, you know the time it's a really good time to, to try and put something like that together basically. Absolutely couldn't agree more um okay cool Albie. moving on what would you change about the game if you could it's not really much that i I think i would change um it's more of an addition i I think that having the benefit of played a lot of box um and starting to play a lot of sixes and watch sixes and watch box etc i think 
addition of shot clock for um, all levels of the game is is only going to be a benefit. <clears throat> and it's kind of ties into what Roach said about making it more of a spectacle and capitalising on that. Lacrosse needs to expand. It needs to get bigger and it needs to be, get seen more. Um, and I think shot clock only, only does that to make it more exciting, makes it faster. You know, it's one of the things that um, I, I talked to my girlfriend. Um, she, she plays a lot of lacrosse and uh, when we're watching football is how can you have a game where it's you don't don't have any goals you know and she can't understand why it's enjoyable to watch um and lacrosse is kind of the opposite yeah. when you have um 15 16 game like goals a game um for each team it's it's just a lot of fun to watch uh, and i think that it's only going to benefit um everyone um by having the shot clock um, in games, but it also means that it gives more opportunities for players from an early age to to get used to it, so that when they get older, they can expand into different forms of the game. Um, obviously, they are different styles, but if you uniform uh, have uniformity in in the shot clock, really good field players have a chance to to expand into box or into sixes, and it's it's a more seamless tr- transition. Um, and we want all three games to to progress and and do well because uh, I mean I personally love playing all of them. Um, and I know it's not for everyone, but you know I think shot clock's the the way forward. All right, and lastly, before we get onto the box specific questions, what are you both up to away from lacrosse? So I I bought a a flat about a year ago with with my girlfriend here in London. So I've spent the. Thank you. But it, it's great, but it, it's been a fairly time-consuming uh, part of my life away from lacrosse. So do do a lot of uh, stuff for that, really, trying to you know improve the place because it was pretty much a blank slate when, when we moved in. Um, like to like to read as well. So as I said, there's a few... I'm, I'm pretty into like sports, sports books, the, the High Performance Podcast, and uh, Sam Patterson, who you had on, actually recommended it. A few really good ones. Legacy about, about the New Zealand rugby team. I don't yep. know if you've heard of that. Um, uh, the the captain class is another one that I just finished. So yeah, reading and messing about with my flat is probably pretty much all I have time for outside of lacrosse. And now reading DIY books, no doubt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Albie, what about you, my man? Um, it's kind of I guess kind of cliche to say, but I don't actually get on do that much outside of lacrosse um mostly because my girlfriend also plays lacrosse um so um, we're traveling a lot every weekend saturday sunday to she comes to my games she actually also plays men's for spencer as well so she's playing on saturdays oh, wow. and i go and watch her on sundays um and just uh, she plays um captain of korea so i just been i was actually out at the world championships watching her for two weeks and then uh, we went to Birmingham to watch some sixes which was great so Amazing. you know it's it's very much lacrosse lacrosse but I'm actually trying to um, I quit my job about three months ago to work for uh, my girlfriend but the idea is that I'm, I'm trying to get into acting okay. so um, I do that on the sides and I've um, been uh, going to classes and stuff so that's kind of what I do outside Had any lacrosse. gigs yet? <laughs> no no yeah I've because lacrosse has been so heavily uh dominant and got the euros coming up i'm kind of trying to balance the two and also when i was working nine to five is is very prohibitive um but yeah. it's, that's that's the plan of the future what made you want to get into acting that's obviously what did you do before before i said um, it's a massive change <laughs> well no it is a, it's a, massive <laughs> it is a huge change okay yeah. uh, i was a quantity surveyor oh that's a huge change yeah i was a pqs um a professional quantity surveyor for those who don't know pqs um and during the pandemic, uh, right at the start, um, when I was working from home, I was very fortunate that I, I was kept in a job. Um, I wasn't, you know, hit too hard by the pandemic. I was still working. But as a result, it kind of made me realize how much I, I wasn't enjoying it. Um, you know, kind of waking up every day and uh, working in your bedroom and then going to bed in your bedroom and doing something that you're not very passionate about, you're not, not enjoying, took its toll. Um, and I've, it's, acting is always something that I've wanted to do. But growing up, I don't know why, but when I was at school, it always seemed to me that it was either sports or, or drama. Yeah. Um, you had some players, uh, some people who crossed over, but predominantly it was it was one of the two. Uh, and being a footballer, is that was all I did. Every lunchtime I'd go and kick a football rather than do anything else. So I, I never really pursued it. So I thought, why not? Why not give it a go and see where Absolutely. it takes me? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Fair play to you, my man. Like, starting a career in that and just being like, no, wasn't enjoying it as much as I thought I was. I'm off to do something new. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. It's scary. Um, But I felt I needed to make a decision on my life for the first time in a while. I was always just the person who someone said, do this, do that. And then you just go, yeah, all right. Yeah, you've you got your qualifications in that, right? If it doesn't work out how you wanted it to, or you decide it wasn't your thing, you can still go back and, you know. Of course, yeah, go yeah. Go back into it's, what you were doing. It's, I don't think go back into PQS. No, I'll be <laughs> done with it. <laughs> but it's, it's an option. It's a, it's a fullback. Um, but I, I think if I rely on a fullback too much, then I'll never pursue fully what I want to do. That's cool, man. So if a lacrosse-related film comes up, you're in. You're the, Absolutely. You're the go-to guy. Absolutely. Crooked Arrows was too early for him. Oh, yeah. What's the other one? Uh, oh, a Warrior's Heart. I can save you the time. Do not go and watch that film. Don't. <laughs> yeah, don't they're not particularly it. good. Oh, We're not portrayed shocking. very well in in the in films and TV, are we? No. Cross players. Well, maybe you can be the, uh, the the change in that one. The catalyst. Yeah, that's it. That's a better word than change. <laughs> um, all right, cool. Let's get into the box questions then. So, how did you both get into to box lacrosse? Specifically, obviously, you played field at, at, at Bournemouth <clears> and Rochi growing up. Um, specifically, box. How did you get into it? So, for for me, it was Joe Darkins was a, a Spencer player when I joined the club on on the first team with me. Um, kind of bonded with him a bit over over career stuff and both being from around Manchester and he was doing this box stuff. I'd always kind of seen it on the TV and um, it used to be on Eurosport. Weirdly, it was like the only lacrosse you could get on a, <laughs> on like a, a cheap cable package, I guess in, in Manchester. But um, yeah, so I'd seen it on the TV. I'd read uh, some fairly infamous articles in lacrosse talk magazine that, that they used to have where they had, uh, our coach now Andy Downing and and a guy called John Beadle posing with chains and things in in this uh, lacrosse talk magazine. So I've kind of seen it. It's, oh god! I remember brilliant. seeing I've, John Beadle in that. I don't remember chains. But I remember. I think it was John Beadle and Wavy, and they looked very yeah. menacing. The pair of them, yeah, very yeah, menacing. Yeah. They definitely they were given yeah, a they brief on that, for those, that photo those photos somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm sure they've heard about it a few times since as well. To be fair. And, and Wavy as well, to be honest. So yeah, I'd read read about Wavy getting the um, the professional yep. contract with the Mammoth and and being signed to the training roster. So all, all of these things I knew about it from those, but I had never seen it played in the UK. Never had an opportunity to get involved. Uh, Joe talked to me about this this trial. I turned up. Uh, I'm pretty sure after an alumni night out in Loughborough because it was being hosted in Leicester. A bit worse for wear. Did, didn't particularly think it was going to be very challenging and um and, and probably got a shock to the system <laughs> when uh beadle and a few others were, were kind of cross-checking me in this tiny roller rink in leicester but um yeah got introduced to it through that clung on for, for dear life to the edge of the squad when i probably didn't really deserve to not having played much box went to the world championships in in 2015 which were in onondaga on the reservation there um which is the, which is the reservation that the Thompsons are from? It's in Syracuse. Um, that was just like a life-changing experience for me. Yeah. First of all, being allowed into that environment to to learn um, from from the team liaison who we had and the, and the family that we were able to go and visit and have breakfast with and and all of this stuff. So just from a like a cultural perspective, that was amazing. But then also to see the game played properly live uh it just blew my mind and and it, like, honestly as soon as i'd gone to that tournament i would i had a long hard look in the mirror i was like what are you doing turning up to to this place out of shape and and thinking you know just because you've been decent at field you you have a right to be on this team um you know i firmly believe that i didn't uh, and i kind of got my act together after that and and just jumped to every opportunity i could to to play box lacrosse basically that's amazing and obviously like you said what an experience to to be allowed to go and and be involved in it was incredible i i really hope they host another tournament in the future and and other people get to to do the, the same thing because it's such a special part of our sport and um you know we need to to buy into the kind of the native american and and native north american kind of 
gift that the game is and um the more people can see it that way i think the more that will happen so so yeah very, very lucky to have been involved in that tournament okay cool albie what about you i think i the first exposure i had um was funny enough watching the 2015 worlds um I mean, I met a few of the players. I think I met Rochi by then at Summer League. Um, so I knew that they were playing and I watched it online. Um, but I didn't think much of it uh, until in, back in 2016, um, Pete Griffin, who's a Hillcroft, it was a Hillcroft player and set up or ran Dreadlax for many years, um, invited, because I think I was at Hillcroft at the time, invited me to go play at a tournament in, I don't know. He doesn't even clubs. know anymore. He's lost track. <laughs> it's a blur. It's in the south of the country somewhere. Yeah. I was back in London, definitely. <laughs> I finished uni. Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, and it was the, the Frank Menchner uh, Memorial. So there's there's two memorials in in Prague. you got the Alishabreski, which is in April, which is the big the big one. 24 teams, I think, are there. Um, maybe even more uh, every year, which has been going for 22 years or something. I think, or 25 years maybe now. That's crazy. Um, but they set up another memorial for someone who, who played at that tournament, um, Frank Menchner. who um, was a goalie, I think, and he, and he died. So they set up a new tournament to commemorate him um, back in 2016. But because it was new, there was only 10 or 11 teams. And it was in September. You know, it was, it was gorgeous weather. Um, I'd never played box. Dreadlock said, do you want to come along and give it a go? So I went and absolutely fell in love with, with, uh, with it all with Prague, with, with Radatin. Um, I, and I think Radatin is probably the, the main reason I'm still playing box now um, uh, and keep going back every year. It's such, in the same way that Roach is saying about Onondaga and I've not had the privilege to go there uh, and play that. I think Radatin for a lot of players is, is yeah. very similar. Um, it, almost like a, a mecca for box across in, in Europe. Um, it's such a strange place to have it, but it's an amazing experience. Um, and much like the, my first year of, field we had a team where we had barely any players so you were just running up and down for for three days in in heat getting smacked about i was still trying to play attack back then so you know it was was a pretty pretty miserable experience getting as much water (laughs) as you can in the the five second break you get before you have to go back on but absolutely loved it um and then i've played for for lots of different clubs and go to every box tournament i could um I, i go back to prague in january for the winter lax i go to go in april for Alish Bresky, and then I try to go back for Frank Menchner and then the other box that I can in Europe uh, just so I can keep keep playing alright cool 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 um, right we're going to break this up a little bit um, and this segment is called most likely to quick fire round um, so you're both because I've got two of you here you're both going to choose a fellow teammate um, I'm going to ask a scenario uh, you will decide fairly quickly if you could um, who you think is best suited um, to this question and then you can just say one after the other um, sound good yeah all right good. okay so who on the squad has the best dress sense it's not taylor harrison i can <laughs> tell you that for for free <laughs> I, i'm gonna go with gav gav abraham okay. yeah pro- probably gav isn't it's a that's a bad pull to choose from. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, who do you... Well, sorry. Who do you want to room with more than anyone else? Who's the easiest roomie? I, I think I've got him. I, uh, I'm rooming with Tom Bracegirdle, who I already spend far too much time <laughs> with because he's basically my PT. Um, so I'm, I'm not... Yeah, I think I'm going to have it pretty easy there. I'd go with Taylor Harrison. I just think he's going to be, he's really chilled in the room, so wouldn't cause any grief. Have you both just chosen your roommates? No, I haven't. No. <laughs> no. Roach is like, I'm obligated to say this now. Um, <laughs> I mean, my roommate's my girlfriend, so I probably should say my girlfriend, but you know, she's not, not on the <laughs> no, squad. You've already so. said it, Taylor. Um, okay, cool. Who is the biggest lax Kino on the squad? Millsy. Yeah, Luke Mills. Okay. Uh, who secretly scares you the most on the squad? Probably Tyson. Tyson Rowe. He's about seven foot tall and he's silent. (laughs) He's got the attributes. Uh, I mean, I know him well, but he still scares me. It's Marshy. (laughs) Oh, oh, sorry. I forgot Marshy, but that's not secretly scares me. (laughs) All right, cool. 
Game's a draw. Uh, you got 20 seconds left. Who are you giving the ball to? Bunio. Yeah, Lyndon. Okay. Uh, most likely to miss the plane home? Ben Buchanan. Yeah, that's a good one. I'll, I'm going to say L. Leonard. Oh, yeah, or L. Leonard. <laughs> okay. Um, who is the most energetic person on the squad? Probably also Ben Buchanan. I, I'm, yeah, that's definitely Ben Buchanan. So, for you may have seen that we've been doing the player profiles mm-hmm. at the moment, but um, Ben makes his own drinking chants that he directs at himself. So, his, <laughs> his current favourite one is he'll turn to an unsuspecting member of the group and ask them what the French word for egg is when the, the word oof, is yeah. oof and he'll just start to chant see it oof, see it oof and pour the, his beer mainly all over his face. <laughs> and he wasn't the about candidate. five times in, a, in an hour. He wasn't the candidate for the scariest person, though. <laughs> when you expect it, it's not scary anymore. All right, cool. Uh, last one. Um, but there's a bit more to this one. Who is most likely to end up on the five o'clock news and why? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I I feel like that's a toss up between Gav and Marshy again. Yeah, those two are rooming together. So what can we say? Both <laughs> yeah, of them. Something will happen in that room that results in them being on the news. Yeah, being trapped in Germany, not allowed to get back on the plane. <laughs> okay. All right, cool. Well done. Um, that was good. That was good. Um, okay, so box is ever-evolving in Europe. What are your predictions for the up-and-coming Euros? I, well, I hope that we're going to win it. That's why we're going there. Um, so I'm going to go with us at number one. Um, there, there's some really good teams. It's very, it's quite different from the field tournaments in that it's very level. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, the Czechs, the Finns, the Germans will we'll all really take some beating. Um, so I, I see, hopefully, if we play well, I see it shaking out with, with kind of those four teams at the top. Um, Albie, you probably know a, a bit more about some of the other, other nations as well, having played with them. Yeah, I think the Dutch will be uh, decent this, this tournament. Um uh, we found out a few weeks ago that Israel have, have unfortunately had to drop out of the tournament. So it's it's kind of given other teams a chance to to really progress further in the competition. So I think you're going to see some some surprises. Um, but a lot of the lower how come they've dropped lower out? Teams, lower you know. ranked teams. Don't, I don't know. We just got told by um, by Elliot that at the meeting that they'd found out that they, they dropped out. I don't know why. Um, it's a shame because you know it would have been a good game, but yeah. I think you're going to see a lot of surprise teams um, getting some shot results because a lot of the lower ranked countries all play together all the time. Um, yeah. So the, the Polish, for example, play almost every tournament all together. Um, I mean, they haven't, they don't have the numbers, but you know they could su- surprise some teams. And same with with like the, Sl- the Slovaks and uh, and some others. I think the top four should should be us, um, Finland, Germany, and the Czechs, and there'll be some good games in there. Okay, who are you most looking forward to playing? I, kind of Ireland um, right now because I just love playing against Connor, and I know that when I did, he's done it <laughs> well, out the face. Not many people he? So say I think that. he said, I know, but he said it on his out the face that he loves playing England, and when the draw was made. Um, it just seemed destined that England were going to be in with Scotland and, and Ireland. So I think that's going to be often that we play them later on in the competition. So it's nice to play them early on and get that kind of aggression out early on, on Connor and, and then move on. Any of the big games for me. Um, yeah, I, to be honest with you, we're at, we're at that point now in, in training where it's all kind of tapering off. Um, we, we fly in literally next week now. Um, so we're kind of sat around waiting and I, I just can't wait to, for the first game, you know, the, the first shift. I, I need I need to get there at this stage. So how long do you get to prep before the first game? You've got training sessions and stuff? Like, tell us what you know about the, about Three the tournament. Three days. Oh, that's not long. Yeah. So no. I don't know. We, we haven't been given our kind of pre-game training or what we're doing, but normally we'll try to get a uh, um, warm-up game, have two or three training sessions together. Um uh, and then kind of hit the ground running. It's it's difficult because obviously you're asking people to take 
time off work, which not everyone's um, freely able to do. Uh, yeah. Then it's costing more money. So you've got to try balance that. But it's, it's normally three or, three or four days with a game, maybe two games at a push. Um, and then a couple of trains. I think that the, yeah, the plan is one game. Um, so I think we're actually reaching out. I don't think it, the reason we've not been told is because it's not been confirmed yet. So we're, we're reaching out to European teams at right. the moment to try and play a warm up friendly. I think there's a couple where we're having conversations. So if anyone's listening who, who can help make that happen, we'd love to play against you. Um, and then we'll have a, f- a few trainings. Um, this was actually, historically, because we don't play a ton of box across in England, this was actually where a lot of us did a ton of our learning. Um, we, we've got a very, very, very high-level coach in Wall, uh, someone who's coached in the NLL, someone who's won the Man Cup as a player and a coach. Um, so that time, all together, before the tournament actually kicks off, and, and the opportunity to do run-throughs and, and walk-throughs and short talk and all of that stuff is massive for us. So yeah. although it sounds like maybe not that long, three days, especially compared to some of the North American tournaments, um, we, we'll get a lot done and, and hopefully we'll be a different animal at the end of that, that time than we are going into it. Amazing. Okay, so how does um, how's the build-up and the prep for this uh euros different from the last one i guess you could chuck in there the world cups as well um so like what's what's different about this one um what have you been focusing on um to try and secure that that number one spot i think the the level of player that we have in the the player pool here is a heck of a lot higher um i think back to the euros in turku and as albi said you know he'd played maybe one tournament before going to, to that trial. Um, and, you know, not a tournament for England, just a tournament with Jedlax. So we had a lot less experience in, in the room, if you like, than we do this time. I think this time we've got a lot of returning guys who've already played in Langley, which is big for us, already played against the best in the world. Um, and then we've got guys with experiences from SBL that, that previously didn't happen, I think everybody in the squad probably represented either North or South in, in the North versus South series, the first one that we did, and therefore has, has had some of these concepts and stuff introduced to them. So I think the ceiling for the, the British players' expectation of how they'll perform in this tournament is massively higher. And we also are very lucky with, with the passport holders who are based overseas who play for us in that I think we've, we've got some real top-level talent there um, that, that is, not, you know, not to take away from the guys who played for us in Turku, but we, we've been able to go into the NLL rosters now since Langley and since having Walt involved um, with the recruitment as well that, that will elevate our play because we'll be around people who are that much yeah. more experienced. Um, so that's the big difference for me. Yeah, I think one of the big things alongside all that is that we've actually had a lot of players who trialed early on um, keep coming to the training sessions. Um, they want to learn. They want to learn from Wall and, and from Downing. And as a result, it's pu- we've all been pushing each other and we've had like large numbers of training sessions which have really helped us to develop. Um, in terms of specific... Because everyone's still learning box, you don't really go into anything specific for a, a tournament it's more just learning the the, the plays and the style and, and how to to run the two-man game and stuff like that so it's it's um it's every train session is is a learning session for a lot of us um but it's been at a much higher level than it has previously because people are committed um and, and even those who unfortunately didn't make the cut have still come along and helped us and, and have been part of the process which has really helped massively I'm going to point out the obvious here, but there's a number of things you've just said, both of you, that really highlight that it, just how important it is that to grow internationally as a squad, you've really got to grow that domestic game, haven't you? Like the the it is solved. I am literally pointing out the obvious, but <laughs> it is a lot of issues are solved. The the by the domestic game being sorted out by people knowing a two-man game before they turn up at the training sessions by people knowing what they're getting themselves into you see it sounds like you're trying to run an international program and at the same time still teach people you know the the real basics of it 
we we are people come into the squad um and and think especially because like the two-man game has been popularized by the canadians in field across yeah. so much now people come into the squad and they think oh I, I can do a pick and roll i know i know how that works and you you have to unlearn so many habits from field and relearn them the way that walt coaches them as as someone who's been around that real canadian hotbed over the last 20 years or whatever learn those new kind of muscle memory moments um and and it it humbles you massively when you first come to it because you realize hey there's a totally different way of doing this that i didn't know anything about and i think just because you you did make the point that you know we're dependent on growing the game for me as a player and you know any other players who are listening to this who are keen enough lacrosse people that they are listening to this lacrosse podcast is a no-brainer why wouldn't you play box lacrosse like look at what's just happened in the world games canada made the u.s look so average um and and that's because those guys grew up shooting on a tiny part of a small goal with a massive person covered in pads in front of it um doing all this all this tactical stuff that that you hear now the ncaa and the international college coaches talk about so you know sign up the pll the pll have done it as well haven't they they've taken the chaos and i don't know whether it's done intentionally they've just gone right you're the box team you're the team that's going to play box and you know they won last year so um there's a really strong narrative for box um at the minute that's for sure um okay cool i'm going to break it out one more time i've got uh, i'm going to pick a few listeners questions um Let's go with three or four of these, uh, and then we'll get back to the, the... There's maybe three or four normal questions to get through. Um, okay, so this one's come up before, um, but I'm interested to hear your opinion on it. Um, might box keepers be more effective if they could actually move? I think what this person's alluding to is the amount of padding. So, um, Well, I guess the style of saves and that as well. If you'd like to give your, uh, your comments on that, gents. Uh, it's... I mean, I'm not a box goalie. I haven't, I've never played um, a boxing goal, but I think actually it's it's more about um, positioning than you might realise. Um, when we've had, um, and we've got uh, Ben Stone, Elliot Pugh in, in, in domestically and, and James Tipple has been with us as well. And um, they're all very different. The way that each of them play is very, very different. But when we've got, um, we had Frank Shiliano who plays for um, Seals Blacks, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, he was playing for us in, in 2019 and often he, th- his position around the crease and how he uses the crease, um, was not, nothing really about his, his moving. He made some great saves with his reflexes and, and throwing out his stick out and stuff, but it's knowing how the shot comes and knowing how he can feel the goal. He didn't need to move because so often people will shoot at him because he was, he was perfectly positioned and he was almost getting us to dictate where he, that they would shoot. If he knows the shots coming from top, right. He doesn't need to be moving across the crease a lot. He stands big on his crease and says, fine, if you can ping a corner, more, more power to yeah, you. That's a great free. shot. Yeah. Um, and I think if they had less padding, you, you're you shooting from so close, you just physically can't react to the, the shot. Yeah. Um, and I think that there was a study about how quick it, it was, actually. Funny enough, my girlfriend was talking about this the other day about baseball pitches. Um, I think there was one about lacrosse goalies and, and shooting. Is you can't, You just can't see the ball. Um, when you're shooting from five yards out, doesn't matter if you've got no padding and you want to react. The ball's passed you before you yeah. even it, it even thought to move. Um, so no, I, I think actually they the need scores, all the padding. Well, yeah, they do. You, you've only got to take a look at the scores and the goals are racking up. Take mm. the pads away, it's going to be it's going to turn into sixes or basket. Exactly, it's, it's kind and, of its own game. I I I get why the person's asked this question. The goalkeeping in box is odd uh, yeah. from somebody who doesn't play boxes point of view it's also very expensive uh, and probably off-putting for a lot of people but as far as making a game a constructive game goes it's, it's where it needs to be really isn't it um whether you whether you like the pads or not whether you like the movement or not take a look at the scoreline you know it's not a two-all game and it's certainly yeah. not a 30 all game so yeah and i think that you 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 kind of hit the nail on the head and, and roach brought up the uh the world games and I was I was there at the World Champ- uh, sorry World Games watching the gold medal game, um, and I just looked up at the stats and can, uh, Canada scored uh, twenty three goals of their thirty three shots, um, oh, wow. and I think yeah, 
because almost all their shots are from so close, they're not shooting outside where a goalkeeper uh, has a chance to react to it a bit, bit easier. And these goalies don't have anywhere near as much padding as box. And I think that if you took it away, you would just start to see that. And it's the goalie just would have just wouldn't stand a chance. Um, they've already dialed it back a bit. They used to have the the wall sticks where it's kind of like a triangle. So the the bottom the yeah. bottom of the head would literally be. Uh, touching the ground there's no way to shoot <laughs> underneath it they've taken that away in international and they've, they're kind of dialing it back so goal is wearing less pads but i think all box goalies actually want to wear more yeah no i'm with you i feel like so, you jump jumping goal like i've never done it but jumping goal was a box lacrosse goalie and then decide whether there's too much padding or not enough padding it's, you know <laughs> exactly. when you when you see someone move their shoulder just in time to make the save you think to yourself that stick was never going to get that side of their body let alone anywhere near the ball you know like you said it shots are, are much much closer plus um, if you've seen some of us in warm-ups and the way we rip at the goal from very close <laughs> I, you definitely don't want to be wearing less padding no, I don't no. imagine. um <laughs> Okay, this is a great question. Uh, who are the players to watch out for um, on the England squad, in your opinion? That is a good question. Um, so, I think it's interesting because the you know people are going to be interested in goal scorers, right? That's really what the question's about. Yeah. The offense for us is, uh, with the exception of Lyndon, who you know, as far as I'm concerned, is is English. But with the exception of him, it, it's all guys who live here, um, are based here full-time, and, and have been given the responsibility this time <laughs> to step up and score the goals, which is d- different to how it's been in yeah. the past for, for the England box team. So it's quite exciting in, in that respect, really. I'd say Elliot Leonard uh, is going to be one to keep an eye out for. You should see some of the goals he's been scoring at practice recently. Um, if he if he makes that happen on on the European stage, he'll have a great tournament. Um, also, got to give a shout out to the other mud dog, uh, Dan Watson from Mella. Um, he, he he's gonna bang a few away, I think. And um, and actually, to be fair to him, I think Marshy scored the goal of the tournament in 2017, where he, he ran through a pass, about four people and. <laughs> increased dive so he's usually got a bit of magic in him right, you got to give the people what they want that's for sure <laughs> um okay cool this one is could be a long answer but try and try and keep it short i'm not sure um if there is a short answer but we'll see how do we get more box facilities in the uk is there a quick answer is it is it do we have to look away from box specific facilities how do we get more people playing box in uh new venues um, I mean, it's not a simple answer. Um, if it was, I think it, we would have done it by now. It's It comes down to um, money at the end of the day. Uh, other countries are fortunate because they have a lot of um, ice hockey uh, teams and, you know, that's not used year round. So when that's not being used, you can you can um, get box on there. I think we have some ice hockey rinks in uh, in England. There's there's not a huge amount, but the the cost is just not beneficial for them to yeah. um, to 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 get rid of the ice just for us to go and play some box. And I think the way that it's going to have to happen is box needs to play be played more for us to then have a marketable product that we can then say to them, actually, look, we can get people to come in and watch it and yeah. make some money. So it's you know it's more cost effective. I think that's that's the only way we'll get it. I mean, we've got some good fundraisers in what we've done with. Um, a box in Oxford, um, and that's just a five-a-side floor. Um, I think that that uh, got funding from from the fundraiser, which was great. Yeah, I believe um, it did. So, it did, yeah, uh, <clears throat> stuff like that is 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 kind of the, the the steps because the the key thing you need is doors. Um, you can have a five-a-side pitch and you can play um, box across, but if you don't have a bench where you've got two doors going in and out for offense defense, it just really isn't isn't quite suitable. Okay. Um, we've we, we've got an ice rink in um in Kent and we inquired whether we could well we inquired whether they'd get rid of the ice that was a no we then said to them fine keep the ice we'll hire the skates and play lacrosse on skates and they were like just stop emailing us please <laughs> okay no worries we tried um, can you is it can you play a dull like a, a dull down version in a hall like what is the bare essential like you're saying gates is, is that really the bare essential we we trained this time round on um, on basically a large seven aside okay. pitch, which, which is Oxford, um, and we didn't sub properly, but 
it was box across. There was a box goalie. There were box goals. There was the right number of people on the floor. There was refs. All of that stuff. Um, what Albert said is exactly right. The first thing is get people yeah. playing and, and showing an interest in the game. And once that happens, you know, via just a big seven-a-side pitch or whatever you've got access to, a sports hall, whatever it might be, um, I honestly think the other stuff will come. There's some really good people doing good things for, for box lacrosse facilities at the moment that I think are going to start to land in the next... Well, Oxford's already landed by the sound of things. Gooch is planning his first event in, in August, I saw there. Um, th- there's other stuff in the works. So, you know, if people play it and enjoy it and show an interest in maybe even watching a bit of it, because I do think it's the, the best version of lacrosse to watch live... Um, then eventually we're going to find ourselves in in bigger venues with the right facilities. Okay. Cool, cool. Yeah, I think lacrosse players are um, are nothing if not adaptable. Um, you make the best of the bad situation. <laughs> you know, just we don't have the facilities um, even just for fields. Sometimes you just you make make do what you can. Yeah. Um, and I think we all would have done it at university. Have played just even if it's just chucking around sticks in a five side floor or in a hall and stuff. The only the only thing in box is obviously it's so much more physical. Yeah. Um, having the, the not doing it in a sports hall, we got a massive climbing apparatus where you can just shove someone into some metal hoop or something. You know, that's that's the only thing that I could see with prohibiting it. But that's a bit of a boring answer because it's safety. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. Um, I really like this question, and you kind of we've kind of spoke about it a little bit. But is there a version of the game beginners can try without? the need for the equipment and what well, obviously facilities as well. Um, do you know if anything like that exists for people to give the, to, uh, to give box a go? The, the SBL roadshow was a great way to, to do that. I wouldn't say that it doesn't use the equipment or it doesn't use particularly the goals or, or whatever, but very simply what it was, was taking the coaches, taking the goals and the goalie pads, um, and, and playing on ba- basically a five-a-side pitch. Um, the one I went to was in Milton Keynes. It was really fun. It was kind of the perfect gateway. So I would say um, if you're not, I should have said this at the start, this is Sam Perry will be very upset with me, but if you're not and you want to hear about stuff like that, follow SBL on, on Facebook and Instagram because they're doing their best to create those type of situations for people. Absolutely. All right. Cool. 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 All right. Let's get back to the uh, the normal questions now. Um, so let's talk about fundraising for a bit. What are the financial implications um, for playing international box, and how do they differ from field? We've heard quite a bit about the the, the finances behind field. What's it like um, financially being a box player? Uh, um, I'm. I don't know about field, um, but I know certainly for box. Obviously, it's all self-funded, so you need to try to get as much sponsorship as possible. Um, but uh, Elia and and previous managers and and Gucci and, and stuff, uh, for certainly that I've experienced for box, have tried their absolute best to to reduce costs as much as possible. Um, when they, they don't force players to go on um, massive two-week tournament uh, trips bef- uh, just before a big tournament to get lots of exposure and lots of playing, it's it's really uh, working with the team to try and keep costs down. Uh, make it manageable so that we can all the players that we want to have there can can afford to go there without really really hitting them um but without fundraising we had some some great fundraising from um john pordham pordham investments he's, yep. he's massively helped us this time so it uh, which was really really generous um but without that it's 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 very hard to keep costs down um yeah we we have I think the big difference for for me what i've seen between box and and field is um there's a bit more license for, for kind of sponsorships and, and support in box because I think it's it's part of the game, particularly in Canada, it's part of the game. Um, we are able... So as uh, Albie said, John gave us a big um, help in terms of sponsorships. He's one of our two kind of official sponsors for the team. Extreme Threads, who are um, a jersey manufacturer, box lacrosse jersey manufacturer, um, gave us a free set of, of kit, which was massive oh, wow. um, in terms of knocking the, the price down for us. And then players are, are kind of empowered to go and get their own individual sponsors, which you can get printed on, on your jersey. So, um, for example, myself, 
I, I got sponsored by, or, or I should say supported by a company called Timo, um, who are a brilliant solution for, for club management, which I've got to give a plug uh, about now because I've got the opportunity. So um, we use them at Richmond. They're very, very helpful in terms of collecting availability and messaging parents and things like that, taking payments for subs. Um, and, and they're invested in lacrosse at the moment. So they gave a contribution towards my trip. I know other people have had um, their own organisations that they work for sponsor them as an individual as well. So, um, yeah, we 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 have an, a level of autonomy that I think is really good, and I would encourage any national team that's self-funded to to do something similar. You know, just printing that name on the individual player's jersey makes a big difference to to the player. All right, cool. Is there any NGB backing for it? I don't know. I don't. I'm a bit behind the the, the times with NGB support for international duties. But do, do you get any assistance from England lacrosse at all? I think the answer is probably yes. But to, to be honest with you, it, it's hard sometimes to to see where that yeah. falls um, as a player because you're being charged. Everything costs money, right? Um, that's just the nature of an amateur team. So you, when we're paying for facilities and equipment and the actual trip, um, sometimes I think possibly some of the support that we get from the NGB gets gets slightly uh, clouded and yeah. you don't hear as much as you probably should about Yeah, I think that's quite normal. Tell us a little bit about Walt and the rest of your coaching staff. I know you've mentioned a few of them, um, but for unless you're out, unless you're inside these programs, you don't really get to know the people. Um, sometimes, like we just, I've just found out that Rob Gooch is the, the, the you know team manager. That's that's awesome. Tell us a bit about your coaching staff, Walt and the other guys, and, and what's it been like working with them in the build up to the Euros. Richie, yeah. Um, so I've got to be careful. I don't want to get a, a reputation for being a teacher's pet. Um, I, we did a, a conversation with England lacrosse the other day, and I think I sung Walt's praises a bit too much. But um, it, I, look, I think he's the biggest weapon that that we have when it comes to winning this tournament. Um, so for the reason that I say that, and for people who don't know much about bots lacrosse, um, Walt comes to us from Victoria Shamrocks, which is on Vancouver Island. Um, it's a... It's a, a realistically a small community in the grand scheme of uh, Canada, but it's hugely, hugely successful lacrosse organization. Um, I, I actually went over and played uh, lacrosse in, in Canada for um, in the Senior B League, which is like the league below uh, the league that the, the Shamrocks are in. Um, so I got to watch some games there and stuff. And, and these, this team is filling out a, you know, I'm going to say it's NHL size. I don't know if it's NHL size, but a massive arena um, for for box lacrosse every week. Um, it, it's got players on there like uh, Graham Hossack plays for the Shamrocks, who's now obviously famous from the PLL. Uh, Jesse King, who whose mum is actually British um, and, and is eligible for us, uh, he plays for them as well. So, so it's a serious, serious team that he comes from, and his picture is on the the wall of the you know the Hall of Fame. There, um, he he coaches their coaches, he, he mentors coaches across Canada, um, and it, at the point that we're at in lacrosse more widely right now, that we already spoke about with with what the chaos have done implementing a box system, and and what Denver have done implementing a box system, and all all these mega mega you know lacrosse teams. Walt's someone who's been at the core of uh, box lacrosse's explosion and influence on the Canadian side. So, you know, how often can um, a little tiny sport uh, country in terms of the sport say that they've got someone who's really at, at the tip of the spear? It, it's pretty unusual. Um, so we've got to soak up everything he's got to, to say, like, uh, like sponges. The other coaches... I think have that mindset as well that you know they're getting mentored right now by someone who is seriously accomplished um, and, and he is going out of his way to spend time with those guys so you know we're seeing that trickle down into downing without a doubt he's now done the gb sixes stuff as well as box lacrosse um also uh bobby clark i'm really happy that he's involved 
as well now. So he's another one who's going to be developed and developed. And, and I know with Bobby that he'll take that to the wider lacrosse community, not just the international yeah, absolutely. scene. The, the guy's a complete sponge. Whatever, you know, everything yeah. he takes in, he uses. He's mega. And and then it, finally, Matt Andrachow as well is is running the uh, the defensive bench. And he's kind of a new face in, in English lacrosse. He's playing at East Grinstead. Um, but we're actually blessed to have him as well because he's a, a three-time Minto Cup winner, which is the National Canadian Championship for Senior B Lacrosse. Mm-hmm. Um, he he three-peated with his team, which I think has only ever been done once before, So, uh, and as a defender. So we've, we've got, I think our coaching staff, honestly, for me, is is the reason that we have an edge on, on the other teams considering our lack of experience. <laughs> That is it for episode 40. Special thanks to Albie and Rochi for coming on the show. 